Stacy and Devin. The internet tells us that we're a health and wellness podcast, but you won't find any professional advice here. <laughs> That's right. We are just here to share our journey so that hopefully our failures make you feel better about yours. Uh, Devin, is there a category for just relatable podcasts? I don't know. Probably. Let's be that. <laughs> Sounds good. Yay. Yay. Um. Yes. Hi. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I am. I am just peachy. I'm doing fantastic even. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, tomorrow's the first day of spring. Oh, yay. So I'm in the, the things are budding here in the south and um, there are little flowers and mm-hmm. uh, it's getting a little warmer and the grass is growing and, mm-hmm. you know, life's good. Life's good. Well, how, how nice. Yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah, things are pretty good. We're um, this is our this was our first week back from Florida, so <laughs> womp you know, womp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sucked a little bit getting back into things. I mean, we weren't again. We weren't technically on vacation, so it's not like it was like oh, I've got to get back in the swing of working. But you know, we came back to it was like thirty two. It's been like thirties all week. Um, and yeah. I think it snowed on Monday, I believe it was. And then it was sleeting on Tuesday. So that's been our experience. But uh, today it was beautiful and sunny and um, not or not windy because yesterday it was sunny, but it was so windy. Like I'm talking, I tried to get out of the car and I could not open the door because the wind was blowing so hard. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I eventually pushed through it, but I was like, holy crap. Like I had to really try. Yes. Um, and so, but today was nice and sunny. I think it was like 45, 46, um, no wind. So it was great. And Excellent, uh, excellent. I'm enjoying the extra hour of daylight. Uh, yeah, in the, in the evenings. Yes, because before we couldn't walk the dog at five, I had to actually take a little bit of time. Like we would usually go like 3, 3.30. Because Aww. by five, there was, it was, the sun was down, you know? So yeah, well, especially up there where it's now earlier for yeah, some exactly. reason. Yeah. So uh, now we have some time, a little bit of time to walk the dog before the sun Excellent. goes down. So. Yay. It's been nice. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah, we had spring break here. Um, <laughs> spring break in quotation marks uh, for my kids. And um, even though one of them is back in school for two days out of the week. So yeah. she didn't go to school because uh, the school was closed. So I had spring break for uh, Kess as well. Mm-hmm. Um no, I don't want to restart and stay update to stay in report. No. Why Uh-oh. are you trying to do that to me, computer? Oh, no. Anyway. Now, now is not the time. Now is not the time. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but so they we went to a lake house um, for a few days. Um, and it was a Beatles-themed lake house. Oh, which nice. was very lovely. Uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a very tiny place. Um but it was right on the lake. It had its own little private little, what do you call it? Is it a dock or a pier or a, you know, a floaty, a floaty thing? Anyway, yeah, so that is like wood that you walk off into the water. Yeah. Um, anyway, have one of those. Um, not that we had boats and it was too cold to swim. And so, you know, there was only so much enjoyment we could get out of that. But uh, but it was very pretty and it was nice to be someplace that wasn't home. Um, yes. So, yeah, so it was, it was good. We had fun. Um, and, uh, so I got back into 
came back yesterday, kind of got back into work and did that today as well. So, bleh. but that's okay. Cause now I'm, I am here and I'm drinking with you. And now yes. my Friday night is complete. What are you that's drinking? Right. By the way, I, I know that you had to, uh, you had to think about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So it actually is really funny. So since our dry January, um, I guess I really haven't gotten back into the swing of drinking. Um, ah. and I don't really desire, like tonight, I was kind of like, if we weren't recording tonight, I wouldn't have drank anything tonight. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was one night, I think when I was in Florida and I was like, I think we had pizza and I was like, man, I'd really love like a light beer and, a, you know, like to go with this pizza kind of thing. And so we ended up getting some then. But so now I'm kind of having a hard time because I'm like, I'm not in the, like used to, I would very specifically be like, I'm in the mood to drink wine tonight or I'm in the mood to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's a little harder, I think, to pick what I want to drink. So um, I ended up picking a red wine and it is a Malbec uh, Red, Wa- Red Rock Winery Reserve Ooh. Malbec. Um from this one is from Argentina. Oh, because you said Malbecs are from Argentina. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I always got to remember that. Uh, however, so I'm drinking this thing, and <laughs> I almost spit it out the first drink. <gasps> this is like drinking like a, something very tart. I don't know, like it has no <laughs> other flavor other than tartness. Like I don't. But I forgot Stacey. the sugar. I'm pretty sure that that's what Malbecs are. Have it says it been that long since you've drank a Malbec and you just, just you don't no, like I don't them think anymore? So. I think to me, Malbecs are usually a little more, um, they are a little tart, but they're mm-hmm. uh, heavier maybe, or they like. Well, they do have, the, they usually do have a good body to them. Yeah, and maybe that's yeah. what this is. It doesn't, it seems kind of thin and tart, and mm. um, it is like, I think they're kind of maybe a little smoky, or maybe that's because uh, the one that, you know, we kind of like is one of them's called Cigar Box, so maybe it. Oh, yeah. Oh, smoky flavor, so maybe this one just doesn't have a smoky flavor, but um, yeah, it definitely <laughs> says uh, dark fruit for a mouth-filling <laughs> texture uh, uh-huh. yeah, to a bold fruit-driven finish. Ooh, it ain't getting... I will not be getting this one again. I'll tell you that. <laughs> There's nothing worse than a w- watery Malbec. <laughs> yeah, no, apparently not. Um, well, I am sorry you were having a, uh, a an unfortunate wine experience. If you need to take <laughs> a break and get something else to drink, just yeah. let me know. I can entertain. Okay. I can entertain the audience. You can do like the Devin intermission. That's right. It's the intermission <laughs> with Devin. Yeah. You know, whatever I need to do. I can, yeah. I can wing it for a few yeah. seconds. All right. Um, I'm also drinking wine. Okay. But <laughs> I am, no I am back on my Boda Box bullshit. Um, <laughs> so it's the Nighthawk Black Bourbon Barrel Cabernet Sauvignon. It's a, uh, it's such a good drinkable wine in like, I keep telling myself I ought to like branch out or I ought to, you know, (laughs) do something else or, you know, open up any of my many bottles that I have. Yeah. Um, But I just keep getting, having Thomas get Boda Box because like, it's just so drinkable. It's, it's really good and it's cheap and it's in a box. Yeah. That's that's the nice thing about Boda Boxes is they don't go bad so quick. No. Yeah. I mean, I can just keep it around. I mean, usually... Usually a box will last me two weeks now. Um, I will confess that this last week, um, you know, I might have gone through it a little quicker than that. But 
you know, it's spring break. It's spring yeah. break. It's hard yeah. for me to um, to think in a healthy manner. Right, right. <laughs> it's spring break. Yeah. It's like it should be a holiday or a vacation of some sort. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, yeah. I have um, totally fallen off the health bandwagon in all shapes, form, and fashion. <laughs> Like, I think I might still be eating a serving of fruit a day, which is one of the things mm. I was trying to do. But outside of that, yeah, we had Taco Bell for dinner today. Oh, uh, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. We had pizza last night. So one of the one of the terrible um, habits we've fallen into as a family, you know, Thomas will go get a click list and he mm-hmm. likes to go to the Kroger in Powell. Mm-hmm. And Powell is also where our closest good Chick-fil-A is. Um, so what usually happens is he goes sometime mid afternoon to get the click list in the middle of the week. And then he will hit up Chick-fil-A and bring us back chicken, which, you know, I do understand that Chick-fil-A is of the devil. I get it. I get it. But also it's a delicious devil and I just can't say no. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, also we kind of justify that is that they are franchise franchises. Right. You know, it's hard to penalize the franchise. Well, it's a little bit. Their their business model is a little different. And the only reason why I know that is because I know someone who, who uh, my old boss works, has his own Chick-fil-A now. Oh. Um, but even that being the case, like, you know, they also were like the only, literally the only restaurant that I felt comfortable going to uh in the middle of really bad covid season because they were the ones that were like everybody was masked they were masked appropriately they were being very safe with the food they kept the dining room closed everyone else was like willy-nilly mask beneath their nose if they have one at all and you know just handing your food to you after they licked themselves and like chick-fil-a was doing it right uh so then i was like you know what I'm sorry, yeah. but right now I have priorities. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me just tell you, when we were driving, so obviously we just went to Florida, which Florida is another state that's getting um, bad press for all their dumb stuff with COVID. Right. Um, but so we drove down and we go through Indianapolis. Um, and then I think on the way down, we didn't, oh, I think we came through Knoxville, but we just picked up some food to go and then just kept going. You know, we didn't really go in anywhere or anything like that. But we get to Florida, and it's probably half and half. I was actually surprised with the number of people that were still wearing masks, because I figured it was just going to be, like, nobody wearing masks ever. Um, <laughs> now, we were in a pretty nice part. We went to St. Augustine, which I think is a nicer part. It's not like going to, uh, you know, Panama or uh, right. Jacksonville or so you know, like that. Like, it is close to Jacksonville. But anyway, uh, I was pleasant, pleasantly surprised, even though I'd say about half people wearing masks. Well, then, we're coming on the way back up. And we stop at an Arby's in um, Tennessee. Oh, God. Nobody. <laughs> yep. Nobody. And I mean, I was talking, I was looking around, and at first I just see this one guy without a mask on. And I was like, oh, yeah, that jerk, blah, blah, blah. And then I look around, and literally nobody, the worker yep. had one on, but she was pulling it down to talk to people and then putting yeah. it back up. Um, yep. And yep. we were so stupid. <laughs> like shocked by this that yep. we actually googled to see if tennessee had lifted their mask re- mandate uh and they hadn't they hadn't but apparently one of the like the one of the state representatives had just gone to nashville and met a bunch of people without a mask on and he was getting a bunch of flack for that um, yeah so you know whatever but i was just like totally shocked that uh you know illinois everyone has mask on Indiana, yeah everyone has mask on uh florida half and half tennessee yeah yep Uh, yep and every time 
to we go back to Tennessee, it just makes me not want to go back there. It makes I understand me that. How much better the rest of the world is. This is so relevant to what we're about to talk about. <laughs> I know. No kidding. No kidding. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's uh. God. <laughs> Yes, yeah. there's, there's a lot to be said about that, and maybe that's a whole a whole nother yeah subject. Like let's 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 do a let's do a reflection piece on this okay. whole year of COVID that we've yes. gone through, okay. and uh, what we've learned about our our respective areas because of yeah. it. Um, yeah, it's you know I feel like it's gotten better in Knoxville. I don't know if that's obviously that's not true everywhere in Tennessee, um, right. but like. Whenever I have gone anywhere, which I don't go anywhere really, but I go to like, you know, parking lots and drive throughs um, you know, I have seen people masked and being safe. Uh, but it changes. If you're in Knoxville, yes. But if you go outside, like if you go yeah. to a rural area, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like whenever I went to, uh, you know, whenever I went to Iams like mm-hmm. a, a month ago with the girls... We were all outside. Everybody almost, I would say 80% of the people that I saw still had a mask on, despite the fact that they were outside and hiking. Oh, wow, yeah. You know, people were being very careful. Um, When we went to, you know, Cove Lake or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. um, nobody had a mask. You know, there were kids playing on the playground. Nobody had masks anywhere. and. God bless Cass. Oh, my God. So she really wanted to go play on the playground. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh, let's go to get on the swings. And there was no one on the swing set. And mm-hmm. I probably would have been fine with it. But she yeah. looked at the sign. And the sign said, we do not sanitize. You know, it was like a health notice. Yeah. And it's like, you know, note to self. We do or note to public or whatever. We do not sanitize uh, the playground equipment. Uh, please stay off of it if you are sick. And oh. she was just like, nope. <laughs> I was like, all right. And she was like, tell, told Kai, she was like, sorry, we can't play on the playground equipment. Have some sanitized. And she just walked <laughs> on. I was like, that's my girl. That's my yeah. girl. I'm surprised um, she even like stopped and read the sign. You know, as a kid, I just would have been like, what? I know. I know. She's like, she's very cautious though. Like she, um, you know, her sister's gone back to school mm-hmm. and her teacher's, we're so excited to see her and her friends are so excited to see her and they all want to give her hugs and they're wearing masks. Like everyone's wearing masks. Yeah. Um, and Thomas has been vaccinated. So like, yeah. you know, the the amount and his parents have been vac- vaccinated. So like the amount of risk that I am personally concerned about is is way low at this point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but she's still so conscientious and like thoughtful and like, should we hug? I don't know. And like she will only hug people if they're kids or mm-hmm. if they um, if they're adults who've been vaccinated. <laughs> if they're not in her immediate circle, <laughs> she does a vaccination check before. Yeah, she's like, hugs. yeah, she's like, have you been? Va-? Well, I think that the teachers were talking about it, and she was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it was just it was just really funny because she's yeah. so thoughtful. Anyway, but. Uh, but no, like, you know, you go through the drive through there or if you look at people walking down the street or when we were in the, the park, like nobody was masked. Nobody, you know, and it was just yeah, so interesting that that was a difference just from like Knoxville, which I consider to be a pretty rural area yeah. to um, 
you know, to uh, wherever we were, La Follette, La Follette, La Follette. Yeah, La Follette. Yeah. Um, or or like even just out here where we live, like mm-hmm. Corrington. If you go to, you know, I I pull up to Weigel's to fill up with gas, and Cass is like, I really want to go into Weigel's, and I'm like. Do you see how many people are walking into that store without a mask on right now? We yeah. are not going into that store. Um, but if you go to like, you know, Kroger and Bearden, like everybody's going in with a mask. It's like, yeah. it doesn't, it's, it's amazing to me how, how marked of a difference that is. Yeah. And that's what, so there was this whole discussion. Um, so I was, I was looking on Facebook and this, some, this person that I know had asked the question, and this wasn't about masks, but it was about being vaccinated. And, mm-hmm. you know, she was like, are you getting the vaccine or are you not? And she's like, I'm on the fence. And so she was like, I'm just looking for kind of guidance, but no arguing in the comments. So I start reading it and there were 97 comments. And surprisingly, um, there were not, like everyone was very civil in the comments. And I was very surprised. Um, That's good. Yeah, there were two people that was kind of a little passive aggressive in their comments, um, <clears throat> but not too bad. But the two that were, were people that were anti-vaccine. And, you know, like the comment, like one of them I remember was, well, if you know, they weren't going to get it because there wasn't enough research. And their comment was, if somebody wants to jump in the shallow end of a pool head first, we'll let them. And I, I personally just kind of sense that I hear that as a passive aggressive comment. Right. Um, but um, it was interesting because the people that were pro-vaccine were very methodical and laid out with their, like, logic and their comments. And mm-hmm. the people that were anti-vaccine were, like, not that there weren't some people. There were some logical people that were kind of, like, I am worried about the side effects. And, you know, they kind of made a valid argument. But um, all of the comments that were just kind of very emotional yeah and off the wall that were just kind of no i'm not going to get it you know that's that it just it just makes no sense or you know whatever and they didn't really have a well laid out argument um were anti-vaccine people and i think right. i think that kind of also lends itself with the people that are in bearden are kind of a more polished group of people so even if they don't agree with it um they're going to be more sensible about it where the country folk you know are going to be you know kind of like all emotional and rowdy about it and not just not do it you know they're just like don't take away my rats you know or whatever right right Um, and it's a more emotional response and i find that very interesting because um there are um i guess my point there is that when you are trying to convince somebody one way or the other I think it's important to look at the facts and the data. Now, that's coming from me that is a facts and data person. Yes. What'd you say? I said yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, because people that tend to make emotional arguments, you're not really, you're not going to get anywhere. And and that could be either way. And this is a total tangent. But uh, the whole argument (laughs) about the, okay, well, (laughs) maybe I shouldn't get on this tangent. uh, But I've already started. So, and we were voting on stuff and, and the topic came up. So this was something that Illinois does and I think it's really cool. So they were proposing an amendment where the whole tax bracket thing. So people with a higher, um, people that make more money would get taxed at a higher rate as you make more money, you get yeah. those, that higher amount of money. So Illinois sends out a pamphlet that actually tells you 
both arguments, both sides of the argument, right. and um, the changes, the recommended changes. And I thought, I was like, wow, this is really nice. Like, they did the research for me <laughs> or whatever. But as I read through it, the people that want the fair tax, all of their arguments were emotional. So it, it was hard for me as a data person to understand the emotional side. Right. Uh, versus the other side. And I'm not I'm not trying to say one way or the other on the uh, law, the fair tax law or whatever. I'm not trying to say one way or the other. I it's just, just if you're going to make a if you're going to make an argument, you should be logical about yes. your. Yeah. But that being said, as a um, writer and someone who has studied rhetoric, there yes. is something to be said about the rhetorical appeal of pathos. That is very true. And I think that is part of the, um, like, something that you learn when you're trying to learn how to persuade people to your side. Uh, You learn that you need to appeal to their emotions. So maybe, I guess, I guess maybe it's an audience piece. Because, yes, to me, I'm less about emotions and I'm more about, okay, prove it to me. Right. Give me the facts. But You want that logos. Yes. Yeah. What's the other one? Logos, pathos? What's the other part of the rhetorical triangle? (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Uh, I should know this. Why do I? Why did I forget? I ethos, know. ethos, ethos. Your um, yeah, yeah. The who you are as a person. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> <Sorry>. I think. <laughs> um. So yeah, I totally forgot how we got on this topic. But, um. Oh, the, oh, country. The Just, yeah. Country. Country. Vote, country. Yes. Country versus city life, and that's yeah. actually what our topic is going to be. Um, today, because there was an article that I don't even remember how this came up. Who was it? Me? Was it? Yeah, you posted it. I guess it was me. I found it. Somebody posted it on Facebook, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I posted it into our little Discord chat. Um, but it was, it's from the conversation.com, which I don't know much about this this publication, to to be honest. But the, um, the article is called Queer in the Country, Why Some LGBTQ Americans Prefer Rural Life to Urban Gayborhoods. Um, I really like the word gayborhoods. <laughs> I do like gayborhood, too. I do. Uh, and the person who wrote this is Christopher Connor, and he's doing a study um, that is in the process of being peer-reviewed right now. So basically, he's just interested in kind of learning about lgbtq americans who live in the rural areas yeah. because you know some of us do yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just saying um and uh and so i was obviously interested in it because as a uh lgbtq person who decided to live in in rural america i was like yeah i, I might be able to uh <laughs> relate to, to identify with this but yeah. i also thought it would be interesting just to talk about um you know uh country and city life like where we fall and and you may have given yeah. us a preview as to what your preferences might be <laughs> at this true. point um but you know just kind of talk through that because we've both lived in very urban areas and in, in very rural areas and you know we, we may or may not have preferences and so that might be an interesting right. discussion too so anyway okay um but i had you read this article um yes. and so i was going to see what were your takeaways from it and then i'll add my color commentary as we go through it okay yes <laughs> Um, okay, so I guess I'll start by kind of a summary of the article, and then I'll kind of remark on the piece that I thought was interesting. Okay. But, um, and tell me if I get it wrong, because it's been a little bit since I read it. So uh, I didn't I didn't write down uh, the summary in my little notes here. So. Oh, that's okay. That's fine. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was basically like uh, 
people, regardless of where they start, uh, the LGBTQ people tend to uh, gravitate towards urban life because it's usually more, uh, I don't know, accepting or lenient or so on and so forth. Yes, yes. It's, it's, we perceive it to be more accepting. Yes, perceive it. That is a very good word to use there. Yes. and but they find that some some of them obviously not all of them but some of them find that um, it actually um, isn't I think mm-hmm. was because one of the comments was that they had experienced that they had tried to make just make friends um, in the social circles and they had kind of uh, people had been kind of mean or whatever and right. they ended up moving back to the country life and. Um, the part that I thought was super interesting, and I totally understand and can see this sometimes, um, but was that oh, these were the the comments that I wrote down. Um, oh, <laughs> and I should also say, so this is supposed to be rural, 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 r u r a l, rural, be rural. But I'm going to substitute the word country in all of these because I obviously can't say rural. 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 Especially after a glass and a half of wine. Yeah, exactly. Rural. Maybe I say it real fast. Royal. Rural. Rural. That makes me royal. Rural. Rural. Now you just sound like you're a dog barking. Yeah. Rural. Okay. So, country lgbtq folks view their sexual identity substantially differently than mm-hmm. uh, urban counterparts um they they place less importance on being gay and many emphasize other aspects of themselves so the way right. i kind of see that is like yeah just because i'm a gay man doesn't mean that i can't like sports or like um because there are stereotypes right there's like oh if you're a gay man you want to wear uh pink uh pink sequin pants and you you like doing dance or something you know and, uh, so the <laughs> you like doing dance <laughs> what you like doing dance yeah you like exactly you like, dance. you like just doing the dance um but so the way i read that was yeah yeah i'm a gay man but you know what i can still like sports and work on cars you know or whatever right. Well, I think also that that specific part, whenever you get involved in, and I saw this, I guess, mostly in in college life, like whenever Mm -hmm. I went to university, um, you, there's like this expectation that you become an activist, right? So now the most important part of my personality is that I am bisexual, or the most important part of my personality is that I um, am, you know, non-binary. And so now... I have to, like, that becomes my identity. And yeah, that is an important part of my identity. But you know what? It's not the most important part of my identity even. Um, Yes. And I think a lot of times whenever your community that you are, that you've created is so wrapped up in in that identity um, that it becomes difficult to, like, you know, focus on other parts of yourself, even if they are, you know, things that are related or, you know, are stereotypical attached to your, you know, whatever, like Mm -hmm. me wearing uh, androgynous clothing. Like Mm -hmm. I, that might be great, but you know, that's not necessarily, I don't know, like I might want to do something else. And I, you know, for me, I feel this very, very strongly because being a mom is like, 
my most important identity factor. Yes. Um, because that's like how I spend 98% of my time. Um, and also yeah. I love my kids. And so like, that's like, if I was going to pick any role that I was going to focus on, that's like the one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, being queer <laughs> and a mom is a little different because there's not as many uh, moms, especially moms in heteronormative looking relationships, yeah. um, you know, out there in the LGBTQ community. I mean, there are some, there are quite a few actually, but um, you know, if you're in that, that urban, it, it doesn't look good, right? It doesn't, it does, right. it's not part of the, of the look or the identity of being um, LGBTQ in, in the city. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, the last thing, the last quote that I had on here was that the, uh, and this is referring to the country LGBTQ uh, folks, they rejected an urban gay culture that they felt was shallow and overly focused on gayness as the defining feature of life. Right. Um, yes. Now, you know, maybe shallow and uh, overly focused might be a little uh, harsh <laughs> because, you know, everyone's got their own priorities, but Right. Yes. Yes. I definitely understand what that means and I think and I don't think we actually ended up ever doing the episode on labels, but I have a very strong opinion oh, yeah. of labels and how I think sometimes people lean too much into labels. Um, right. And that's what I feel like sometimes happens uh, or this is a good example, I think, um, is that once people decide a label, then they decide that they must be uh, all the things that encompass that label. And I think it is exactly because of what you just said, where it's more of the uh, when you get a label, you join a group and then there's expectations from that group. Right, right. um, And there's so there's expectations of ways that you should be. so I will say, so I, um, I, <clears throat> I, one of the places that I worked, I worked with these two guys and they were in a relationship. Um, and it was very interesting because looking at them, one, I wouldn't have known that they were in a relationship, but, uh, one of them was the kind of stereotypical kind of very flamboyant gay man. You know, he was just very, very extra, <laughs> you might say, you know, right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, but his partner was very reserved and quiet and kind of like very uh, manly, rustic kind of guy. And right. the more flamboyant one did hair, of course. <laughs> and, um, and so I went over there one time for him to cut my hair. So I went to their house. And of all places, they lived in a farmhouse in Blaine. Of all places. Oh, man. Yeah. I never, yep. ever would have expected that. And um, they had animals on their farm. I mean, it was like a full... And I remember at that time being kind of shocked because... Right, yeah. I, yeah, I did have that expectation of, yeah, you know, like, that they would live in the city, you know, in a loft downtown, and they had this, like, extravagant life or whatever, you know. Um, and so to go see this, and I think the um, the more flamboyant one probably was like, oh, yeah, he makes me live here. Like, you know, like, I don't think it was his bag. But um, right. I just thought it was very interesting because that was the first time I had ever met a, a gay man that, that wasn't, or that I guess that was, that didn't have the um, gayness as the defining feature of his life. Gotcha. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I, I didn't luck out. It's just where I was gr- growing up in rural yeah. Appalachia as yeah. 
a queer person with queer friends. Um, like it was, it was very obvious that was not <laughs> defining. Like you, you had to deal with it because, of course, you aren't accepted in the community. Right. And there's a lot of, especially back then. I don't know what it's like now because I haven't been. You know, well, I mean, I guess I live in the rural areas right now, but it's not like I'm going and knocking on my neighbor's door and saying, hello, <laughs> hi, I'm queer. Um, <laughs> but, you hello, know, would but- you like a rainbow sticker? <laughs> I am queer. Yes. <laughs> Which that's another, that is another conversation that I'm going to bring up later later in here. Okay. Um, okay. But like, you know, it's, it's, but things have changed. Like life in general is a lot different than it was when I was a kid growing yeah. up. Um, but at the time, man, I was whew, bullied hardcore, oh. uh, whenever I was dating a girl, uh, cause you know, I was hiding it and it was still very obvious, but you know, like, yeah. um, because we like literally went everywhere together and made out in the locker room. Like, I mean, it was pretty freaking obvious. Yeah. Um, but, uh, which is anyway. probably a good time to plug your book. Um, <laughs> that is, by the way, queer Appalachia. I have written a book about queer Appalachia called Jack and the Dragon Man's Daughter. You can get it on Amazon. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, but that being said, the people that I knew, that was not a defining feature. It was more of a like, what the fuck's wrong with us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then yeah. like realizing that there were other people in the world that felt that same way. And then like, that it wasn't a bad thing. And then like, how do you, you know, navigate that. So it yeah. was, it was interesting, but it wasn't like, it was very different. It was a very different, um, situation, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't also don't know very much about urban life as, as being queer because so much of my experience has been being rural, but, yeah. um, but a couple of things that I thought were interesting when I was reading through this article, was other additional things that you were that you had not mentioned oh or did you have before you okay you have one more thing okay no i did have one more thing but before before you move on the um i I did see in that article boys town in chicago was specifically mentioned and that's yes stayed when you came to visit yes i know i know remember how excited i was there was like queer stuff everywhere i was like oh my god yeah, I think you did get a tiny glimpse, although we didn't live there, but I think you did get a tiny glimpse of the freedom of uh, oh, yeah. you know, city life. I got to look at it as an outsider for sure. I just don't know what it's like to live inside it. But I yeah. was like, I was very impressed by that. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah it's a completely different world. Um, yes, yeah, so... Uh, so about 15 to 20% of all queer people live in rural areas. Um, that's one thing that I took away from this article because that's, yeah. that's a pretty big chunk of change. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that they talked about was the fact that many people who, and you, ta- and you touched on this, if they go to the cities and they end up returning. Yeah. Um, and this is, I don't know if this is just a queer feature because this is pretty endemic to a lot of uh, rural people who go to the cities and search for a better life and then they come back. Yes. Um, so I don't know if that's like, I don't, I think that may just be part of being rural. I don't know if that's necessarily, like that's part of being the country mouse going to the city mouse and then right. coming back yeah. to the country mouse. Um, because, you know, that's, that's actually in in uh, Appalachian literature, because my, my minor um, 
in my bachelor, my, 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 my college. <laughs> I went to college. <laughs> I can't talk, but I went to college. <laughs> yeah. So minor Appalachian studies. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, okay. There you go. <laughs> but whenever I did that, I learned that there was this phenomenon where Appalachians would leave Appalachia, go to a bigger urban area to try to get a job because there was nothing here. Yeah. Um, and just like deal with a whole bunch of prejudice and um people you know uh making fun of them because of their accents and not and the way that they dressed and not necessarily being cultured and you know just being Mm kind of backward ish people um and people would call them briars and the story of the briar then was that the briar would return home and of course one of the other problems with that is that as Thomas Wolfe says, you can't really go home again um, mm-hmm. because you've gone, you've seen the world, you come back, and then there's like this awkward, you know, you can't really fit into the life that you left behind after you've been gone for so long. So it's like, yeah. it's just a, it's such a ter- terrible story. Um, but I feel it so hard. <laughs> I do too, actually. Um, yeah. We can get into our personal, whenever we, I'll explain more when we get into our personal things. But yes, I do too. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was interesting that the queer people who they interviewed in the or who they talked about in this article preferred uh, like marriage and monogamy and kind of looked to having a normal life as opposed to, you know, clubbing and, you know, being free sexually and all of that. Um, And it's funny because I feel I feel that like I know that I am, you know, kind of in a non uh a traditional relationship um but like i am the one that's probably the more like yeah. <laughs> traditional um out of the two of us when it comes to that sort of thing uh, mm-hmm. it's like i just you know i just want to hang out <laughs> with my family and my kids yeah um which I, I think that the sexuality piece is a or sexually activeness um right. is a part of the stereotype that I talked about like once you have this label you feel like you have to lean into these stereotypes and that's kind of what you always hear is that right like and I don't know if it's because yeah they can't get pregnant or whatever I don't know what leads to that more free and maybe you have input I don't know but I don't know what leads to that more free quote-unquote free mentality but um yeah like that's part of it is like they're just these party goers that sleep around you know and right I, I right think i think it makes sense that some people are like that's not really for me that's not what i want you know right i think that it has to do with like um you know the the morality that keeps you away traditionally from uh being queer uh, why a lot of people fight against it is is a very puritan morality right so it's okay, this idea yeah. that you um, aren't going to, you know, you're only going to have sex with the person that you're married to and you're, you know, only for procreation or whatever. Like you're, like, it's very, you know, um, like that's the, that's the roots of it. Right. And so people have differing ways of which they have, um, you know, rejected that or, you know, are going against it. And whenever you, you are queer, you find yourself in this kind of cool place where you don't, your your sexuality is not bound by um years of puritanical bullshit because yeah, like yeah. you're allowed to do whatever the hell you want and it, i think that um 
the freedom of that is very appealing to to people who are finding themselves, okay. uh, especially when they're young. And like, I mean, you know, I slept around a lot when I was young. Like, I think also when you're young, you like to sleep around. Yeah. Uh, you've got That's hormones. Right. Yeah, you got hormones and and people are attractive. Like, I, pff, sure, I get it. Um, but definitely in my old age, I'm just like, ah. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of want to hang out with my kids. Yeah. Um, anywho. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. The other thing that I wrote down was the, the idea that you, you're not fully accepted anywhere. So, you know, there's this, this idea of, let me just be someplace where this other part of my identity is accepted. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand that because I feel very much like, you know, when I'm here, like, okay, so we can start getting into personal stories here then. Um, so my, I grew up in deep Appalachia. Well, I guess not deep, deep Appalachia, but like <laughs> deep-ish Appalachia. Yeah. Um, not the mountains, but the foothills. Uh, and, <laughs> but I was out in the middle of nowhere. I was very, very country. Um, and I had a, an interesting kind of life because my grandfather, my papa, was from that area. And he left <laughs> as a briar. to join the military uh and then went all around the world and they even lived in england for a while and he ended up settling in phoenix arizona and uh then after he had his kids and he retired and everything he decided to move back to the homeland because that's the desire you you're always pulled back to the mountains like you can't you know um so he came back his his dad was aging, and he, I think he he came back mostly to be close to his father, you know, so he could help take care of him and stuff like that. Um, but you know, but I think he he very quickly had the same feeling that so many people do. Like if you leave and you have that experience and you come back, there's it just doesn't feel the same anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, and. Uh, so he had that experience, and then I grew up with my mom, who is was born and raised in in the Phoenix area, um, who was like, I have come to realize was extremely progressive for her time, and I never gave her enough credit. She was a neo pagan, um, so she like she practiced Wicca. She was very interested in lots of world religions. Um, so I wasn't raised Christian. She, um, she was very anti, she was actively anti-racist, which is something I only realized recently, um, that, you know, she was like, she would take my grandparents to, you know, to town on, you know, them just saying off commenty thing. Like they didn't even say like really racist things. They would say like passively racist things. And Mm -hmm. she would just like take them to town on it and like, well, why do you, why are you suggesting that everybody on this side of town and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, like I was there witnessing these debates as like, you know, a seven year old. And that's something that just doesn't happen for people my age. No. Uh, So she was, she was extremely progressive. And so she was also very progressive when it came to sexuality, except for, I should put a very important point on when I came out as bisexual, she told me it was a phase. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, But she was very (laughs) accepting of queer people in general, but, to her, to her, 
in defense of her, bisexuality was not really a thing that was fully accepted uh, by anybody uh, okay. at that time because people were seeing things very black and white. So you were either, okay. you know, you were either straight or gay. Um, and you were either, if you were transgender, you were either one or the other. You were, you were like, you were born as a man, but you were always really a woman inside. I see. You know. Um, yeah. So it wasn't that she was like, she wasn't condemning the fact that you were bisexual. It was just that she was like, oh, you're in a phase trying to figure out which side of the fence right. you want to be on. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and she just, you know, she was like, you've always liked boys. So you're going to, you know, <laughs> you're going to obviously yeah. like boys. I'm like, I am just now becoming sexual. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, why do you assume this? Yeah. Um, anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so because of that, like I grew up kind of interestingly because I have this very Appalachian background where I'm attached to my family, I'm attached to nature, I love the mountains, I have this sense of like independence and privacy. Um, and this leads to <laughs> another conversation um, or another topic. So, you know, like I, we lived... So I lived, I grew up there. I moved to Knoxville. I was like in Knoxville, in apartments, in the city. Um, mm-hmm. Thomas and I moved to the suburbs mm-hmm. for a while. Um, and in both of those areas, I felt very claustrophobic. And mm-hmm. like, I went, to, I went to a baby shower for a lady at work the other day. And she was talking about how, she, you know, like, they have these block parties in their neighborhood and how she knows everybody and all this stuff. And like people were being really nice to her. And I was just like, I never had that when I lived in the suburbs because I didn't want to talk to nobody, you know, like don't talk to me. And um, the other day we have everybody except for kinfolk, you talk to kinfolk, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's how it is. And everybody in our general area is related to me, except for our next door neighbors on one side of us. Mm-hmm. There's like a little tiny plot of land where one of the um, one of the brothers of the original alleys uh, used to live and then moved to Atlanta. So that plot of land was then sold to someone outside the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> this poor guy is like surrounded by alleys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like he's really nice. But we, I never, ta- I've never talked to this man. He's yeah. a very, I know he's a very nice guy. But you know why I know he's a very nice guy? Because he lives on his side of the fence and we live on ours. <laughs> right. Um, you know, because that's how it works in the country. And uh, Kess was down there, and his grandkids had come to visit, um, and they were playing in the yard. And so she just decided because Kess, when you're, se- I guess when you're six, you have no um, fear of anybody. Yeah. Uh, so she's just like talking at them through the fence and she goes and gets Lucy and brings Lucy on the leash and shows them Lucy. And, um, and so they just have, they're just having little conversations out there. And mm-hmm. then she comes and gets Kai and she goes back out and they're gone and she doesn't understand what happened. And so then she comes back in and we have dinner and whatever. And then later at night, she just randomly tells me, yeah, their parents voted for Trump. <laughs> I was oh, like, I was like, or their mom voted for Trump, and I was like, "Wait, wait hold on, what? <laughs> so like, how did yeah. this even? How did this even come up?" Right. And she was like, 7 year olds talking about the election." 
exactly. Yeah. And I was like, how did this come up? And she's like, well, you know how Kai just randomly talks about things sometimes? She's like, well, they just randomly brought this up in conversation. And I was like, well, what did you say? Because yeah. I have not been nice to Trump in my conversations with Kess. So I was like, oh, my God, what the heck did she say to them? Yeah. And she was like, oh, I just told them that my mom voted for Trump because or my, my mom voted for uh, Biden because he was fighting against COVID. <laughs> And I was like, well, that's out of the things that you could have said. That is the, uh, the yeah, most. Yeah, that's the best possible. Yeah, that's the, that's the best uh, thing you could have said. Um, but then I was like, did they leave? Did they like go inside and stop talking to her because she like outed herself as a liberal? Yeah. And like, that's so not right. No, not at all. <laughs> ah, anyway. Was so, it just the kids out there with her or was their parents? Yeah, it was just the kid. There were just oh. the kids all outside. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. And I'm just like, why? Oh. So, you know, and going back to your idea of emotional appeal, which is where I wanted to tie this back, and then I will let you share your story. And I'm sorry this yeah. is going so long, but I don't care. It's a good yeah. subject. No, it's um, fine. The um, you know, <laughs> when you're talking about logic and emotional appeals. One of the things that I hear a lot from rural people and also from um, conservative people is this idea that liberals are being extremely reactionary and very emotional. Um, And they, you know, like with the Black Lives Matter movement and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I just want to like point to the situation that happened and be like, my daughter did not bring up politics. Right. With a complete stranger. Uh, Despite the fact that I have been like really, you know, trying to influence her to be a very liberal person. Yeah. Um, You know, like she did not do that. That was something that the conservatives did. Right. Which which makes you think that it is a more emotional thing. So I that's that's fascinating to me. Anyway. Anywho, tell us your story, Stacey. All right. So are you are you are you a country mouse or a city mouse? Because I have decided I am a country mouse, but I'm okay. interested to know. Okay. Well, okay. So I guess, and I don't know where uh, the little suburbs fall in. I guess in that, I, I guess they are more towards city. Maybe? Yeah, Is I would call them. I would consider them city okay. because it's a neighborhood with people. That's true. Um, you know. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> that you that you have to talk to. Yes. Okay. So my we've moved a lot. I think this is our fifth house, I think. Yeah. Um and so we have a very interesting story. Um I started as my family, I guess I should say. So as I was growing up, my parents, we lived in the suburbs. Um and so that's kind of what I knew. And actually, funny enough, my dad is a country mouse and my mom is a city mouse. Oh really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. So my dad lived out in um i guess it's it may be not County, but it's over there um well, i don't even know the word it's out where you guys are is it i mean it's still knoxville i don't know if they're at corrington corrington yeah kind of the corrington yeah so you could say corrington area um so his parents had a giant farm i mean they had like a barn horses cows you know the whole thing whatever and they had a farmhouse and that's right because the the elder alleys know your dad like yeah okay yeah because they're literally across the ridge yeah yeah (laughs) 
as the crow flies, they are very, very close. But you just have to go over this giant mountain before you can get to the uh, um but anyway so yeah i mean it, it had a it had a creek it was the most amazing kid place ever like i loved like i would go stay with them for months when i was growing up right uh, and my mom would have to bribe me to come back home because i just loved that life right so yes but uh and my mom grew up in she went to Powell and lived basically on clinton highway so although it wasn't downtown Knoxville, but at that time, downtown Knoxville wasn't really a thing. That's kind of been a more recent, in the past, like, five to ten years that they've kind of revitalized downtown Knoxville. So it's right. like a traditional city. But anyway, so she considers herself a city um, city mouse. Anyway, so the two got married, and we here we end up in the suburbs, because that's a nice mesh of the two. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So then... Um, I, well, I guess I technically, when I moved out, I actually moved to West Knoxville originally. That was when I first moved out. So that's like even more city. Um, And over there, that was fine. I I ended up having to move out because um, I had a roommate and my roommate uh, ended up, you know, having to leave or whatever. So then I couldn't afford the place by myself, of course. Right. Um, And so then I move into my great grandmother's house and she kind of lived in the country, but just on the very edge of the country. Um, And I really, I mean, that was kind of fine too. Um, But then, so me and James get married and we move out to the country and we have an old farmhouse. I mean, it was like 1800 something, like it was a hundred, over a hundred years old, old farmhouse with big property, creek in the yard kind of thing. Um, but that was not for us for multiple reasons. So one, we are not the handy type people. So that, you know, the upkeep of an old farmhouse or the upkeep of the property, that kind of stuff annoyed us. Um, but so then we eventually moved to over by Easttown, which is more of the suburb. Right, area. right. Uh, we move over there and we hate it because uh, <laughs> there we have a very cheaply built, like just one of the quote unquote starter. I don't know if it was a technically a starter home, but it's just one of those um, houses that a developer builds very quickly uh, because they just put up a whole subdivision and they're all the same, right? Yeah, yeah. So the che- the house was very cheap, and our neighbors were like, I remember the people beside of us had five kids. The people on the other side had um, three kids, and the people across the street had six kids. <laughs> um, it's anyway. in the water. Yes. <laughs> it's a good thing um, you didn't stay there. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, but... It was one of those things where you couldn't go outside because if you went outside, somebody was coming over and talking to you. And don't get me wrong. We loved our neighbors. Like, they were the one with the five kids. We didn't talk as much to the other ones. But the ones with the five kids would just be talking to us all the time. And right. we loved them. We thought that they – they it was amazing to see how good their kids were and how, like, how well they got along and that the mom homeschooled and – they ended up doing a lot of like self-sufficient things. Like they would make their own clothes and stuff like that. Because when you have five kids, I mean, <laughs> you can't afford right. to go buy a whole bunch of clothes for people. Yeah. So um, we thought they were great. We had no problem with the people. But it was like, if I want to go sit on my porch, I just want to sit on my porch and mind my own business. I don't want right. somebody talking to me, you know. So we eventually actually moved back to the country, and it was across the street from our original farmhouse, <laughs> which was kind of funny, but that's just the way the, the cards fell. And we loved the house, and um, 
the interesting thing there was we were so relieved to get back to the privacy. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. the quietness, you know, like you just walk out and you can't hear a thing. At night, you can see the stars because there's no lights. Um, There's nobody around. So if you just want to run outside naked, you pretty much can and no one's going to see you. You know, it was like... Right, right. We love the privacy of it all. But at that time in our life, uh, we like we didn't really cook much and we were very social. And so yes, it, it <laughs> was, we could be social. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so it was very annoying for us to have to drive. Uh, and I don't know why we are so. Which is this is another story, but uh, why we're so against driving. And I just went to Florida, and <laughs> I have a friend that lives in Florida, and he was like, "Hey, let me know if you want to meet up. You know, we'll drive and meet you." And he lives two hours away, and it's like no thing for him. He was just like, "Yeah, I'll drive two hours to meet you." You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my gosh, two hours? That's really far. You know? <laughs> um, just drove fourteen hours to get here, but you know it's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but so we eventually kind of got tired of the, of every time we wanted to go just to the grocery store, the grocery store was 30 minutes away. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If we had to go meet friends, it was a 45 minute trip. You know, if we had, if we didn't have anything in the kitchen and we wanted to just run out and get some drive through, it was 30 plus minutes away. Um, and so we got really annoyed by the convenience of it. Um, inconvenience of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Inconvenience. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even, though, even though we got annoyed by the convenience of it, I, I kind of love that as a phrase. <laughs> Everything was just too convenient. <laughs> um, so, um, but, you know, then as the cards will have it, the uh, my job offered me a job here in Chicago. And so that's where we ended up moving without a choice. Uh, right, you know, right. Um, I mean, I could have turned down the job, but that wasn't really, uh, you know, that's just not who I am. So I did. Right, right. But anyway, so we move up here. Now, the interesting <laughs> thing about being up here is we do live in the suburbs, technically. We don't live in Chicago City proper. Right. We live in in the uh, northwest suburbs. And we picked an area that's walkable. So we live like a half a mile from a little downtown area that has a bunch of different restaurants and little boutique shops. And it has a train station. And it's just like a really nice little part of town. There's there's like a, that's my, you know, there's a dentist, there's an eye doctor, you know, there's all these conveniences, right? Right, right. Um, and uh, so one, that's really nice because I really like being able to walk to anywhere, including the grocery store. If we want to walk to the grocery store, whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's nice. But um, the interesting part is it's I liked that you mentioned the part about uh, country folk, deep country folk don't actually want to talk to anybody. They, they yeah. they're out there. And that's what we liked about the second uh, house that we had or not the second house but the second country property that we had was that we had privacy um and up here it's just the culture of the midwest and i think huh. we could probably say the north but the midwest in general, right that people don't talk to each other like one day when we first moved up here we were in a, an apartment um and i remember <laughs> i was walking down the stairs to go to my car and the the lady actually like said good morning to me and it shocked me because nobody talk. No one looks at you. No one right. talks to you. No one anything. Like everyone just minds their own business, and we love it. And like, and I think so. This is a good mix of 
Even though, no, we don't technically have the privacy, I couldn't go run around naked in my yard because I do have close neighbors. <laughs> right, um, right. But you have that, you have more privacy than you do in the suburbs in the South. In the suburbs <laughs> in the South, everybody wants to be your friend. Everyone wants to have block parties. It's a big, you know, Stepford Wife's kind of club. <laughs> but up here, yeah, like nothing. Like we, I think Interesting. We yeah. At the most, we like wave to our neighbor that's right beside of us, you know? But right, like, right. We, there's no expectation that we talk or that we come over and hang out or anything. Um, and so when you ask me if I'm a country mouse or a city mouse, the honest answer is I'm not sure because okay. we definitely love convenience. Yeah. So, but we also love our privacy. And so I think it's a little hard because I think when we, you know, inevitably have to move, what is that going to look like? So right. if we if we were to move back to Knoxville, um, would we choose the convenience of living downtown, or would we choose the convenience of living back out in the country, or the privacy of living back out in the country? Yeah, and I don't I don't know what we'll end up picking. Um, yeah, and, and I wonder if it would be different if like you lived downtown downtown. You know what I mean? Like yeah, if you didn't live in a neighborhood, if you lived like in one of the ridiculously overpriced lofts yes for yeah <laughs> like would would it be the same i don't know because i don't know anybody who lives in those lofts, right. but would it be the same level of like expectation of getting to know your neighbor there or is that like urban enough to where now you have to follow the, the you know the yeah. we don't actually talk to each other that's rule. true yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah, but if I move, if we move to downtown Knoxville, we may have have, have that privacy more like up here. But uh, but then I then I guess that does make me a city mouse. You know that does. Yeah, which I think is interesting. But maybe that is because I'm a hybrid of the two. Right. Uh, being a suburb person, that my my mom was city and my dad was country mouse. So that makes sense. That makes sense. Hybrid of the two. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well. I hope that this uh, this particular episode has made people think about whether or not you're a country mouse or a city mouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think you can't answer that until you've experienced both. I will say for myself because right. I think when we lived in the country and we moved to the city, we were like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. And then a few months in, we're like, man, I really miss this other thing. And so then we moved back. And then so I think, you know, it's easy to say one way or the other. Maybe you're annoyed at your country life. But if you haven't lived in the city life, don't just think you're going to love it just because. That's you know? true. That's yeah. a good, that's a really good point. Yeah. I think it's good to experience both. Because you don't know. You might be, you might be different than you think you are. That's right. Well, you know, it's like you just talking about what you are right now makes me wonder if I would enjoy being in a suburb in the North more. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, you know, being able to get to, cl- get to things would be really cool that being said though i mean i just i just you know we have cows i love being able to just run around and you know be be outside yeah in the fields and stuff so yeah Yeah. there is definitely something for that like there is no woods that for me to go into or you know whatever and like if we wanted to plant a garden we're probably planting like a three by three foot garden like we're not going to plant a big thing you know there's right. definitely none of that uh, happening. So I think, yeah, that kind of, what are your priorities? But, right. like, to your point, like, if you want to go walk around, although you are walking around with people, like, this area is very walkable. And so I can just, like, I 
run all the time and yeah for miles and not even take the same path twice you know right right so yeah i just put a picture of us in our uh, little discord (laughs) i love it they even have wine i know (laughs) and suspenders yeah yeah i'm pretty sure i have that i'm pretty sure that is the exact outfit that i wear on my fancy days on your fancy day yeah yes I need suspenders. I love, I've always loved suspenders. I know. I've never worn them enough. It's it's kind of hard to wear them when you have boobs, to be honest. It is. It is. I have to, if I'm wearing suspenders, I have to wear a uh, binder. Yeah. So. I believe it. Yeah. It's uh, it's not fun to wear them without. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> then they're just awkward. Yeah. Then uh, you're just kind of showcasing them, and that's a whole different uh, Right. Whole like, different I don't look. really, I don't want to do that. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what I want to do. All right. Well, city mouse, country mouse. Yep. <laughs> Whatever mouse. <laughs> Hybrid mouse. Hybrid mouse. Suburb yeah. mouse. Suburb mouse. Uh, I love you, Stacey. I love you, too. I will talk to you later. Okie doke. Bye. Bye. A Hoots Media Production. Hoot, 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 ho